Time when wargamers played with chainmail, and the rise of the wizards of the coast, there was an age of gamers. And unto this, Gygax, destined to bear the crown jewel of TSR upon a troubled brow, to show you all how to roll for initiative. The Roll for Initiative Podcast, issue number 75. I'm one of your hosts, DM Vince, sitting alongside DM Nick. Howdy, everybody. DM Matthew. Hello, everyone. And DM Will. Hey, hey, what's up? And we're back for another issue of the Roll for Initiative Podcast, as usual. Uh, so let's just jump right into things and uh, talk about what's been going on. And Will, you said you were going to a new convention this weekend? Yeah, there's a gaming convention called uh, Game On. Uh, we're, I'm just going to go there Saturday. This is its first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the attendance is going to be. It's between 50 to 100, from what I understand. I have no clue yet. Oh. So I'll be there demoing a lot of board games. So it's only one day. It's going to be in Seattle. Just ready to get there, get it done with, and get back. So it's a little logo thing, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. And then, like I said, I'll give you a heads up and I'll let you all know how it turned out on that next Sunday or the, the very next day when we have our next podcast. Sure. Okay, cool. Uh, Nick, you've been up to anything? Um, Yeah, actually got a date ha- uh, nailed down for our next uh, game night. So <laughs> it'll be it'll be this Saturday on the 18th. It just seems like every month now it's it's getting excessively uh, more difficult to get everybody together at the same time. So I'm like, I need to find some more people, honestly. I mean, really, I I mean, it's, I like the group I have and everything, but it's just seems like we can never be all together at the same time. (laughs) I'm moving it to Skype or something. Well, that's a, that's an option. I just like having, you know, everybody at the table there, you know, I just, I like a face to face game. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're going to have, we're going to have most of the people there this Saturday, but um, I'm going to scout around, see if I can find anybody in this area. I think I know of at least one person who lives nearby, at least in Akron, who has, uh, who has a group and they might, you know, might be willing to, you know, come on in. Who knows? So I'm going to put the word out. I need, I need players. <laughs> so just kind of bring some more blood in. So, Ah, blood. Yeah. Yikes. Well, you know what I mean. Oh. <laughs> just need some more people. And, uh, yeah, I think that's just about it. I've also got, I've really had, I don't know why, but this past couple of weeks, I've really had a hankering to play Call of Cthulhu. Really? Yeah. I just, you know, every so often I just get this itch to play. I really do, and it's hard to find players. I might, I might find, I might get our group to maybe play a one-off again. We did a one-off for that, the one quintessential adventure, the haunting that's in the the rule book. Oh and yeah, that's a good one. I like that which, one. Which is a great scenario. But I'm hoping that we can kind of mix things up a little bit with some of the because we have we have a mixed group of, of of adults and some kids. But I like to get some more of the, just the adults if we want to play Call of Cthulhu, because that's not exactly a game you want to play with a nine-year-old. 
<laughs> well, that's, that's, fun, that's funny how you brought that up because I was at the gaming store yesterday and I was talking to the manager there. And yeah. they, want me, they, they, they want to get involved in a Call of Cthulhu game. And one of the other guys there said he wants to play. And I said, this is a, a mature, adult-oriented game. And I not mean by oh, yeah. not being. It's just that you need mature adults. And yeah. uh, two scenarios that I'm looking at doing right now, just real quick, like, is Ghost Ship. Remember the movie Ghost Ship? Yeah. Or Wrong Turn. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, I'm looking at um yeah, I mean we I mean I wouldn't have a problem with the guys who are are, are, are teens in our group playing. You know, they're there's they can handle certain adult type <clears throat> themes you get to there, but you know, the real younger kids, I mean that wouldn't be something to their liking and wouldn't be something I want to expose them to right away. <laughs> you know, <laughs> until they get a little bit older. So they sure, get go ahead, damage, damage them while you're yet, while they're young, so they can grow up to be crazy. People. <laughs> I hope not, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll see. That's kind of what's on my gaming front right there. So, cool. All right, Matt. Yeah. Well, I'm in a similar situation as Nick in that my gaming group just keeps having things pop up to where we're not able to game. Frustrating, uh, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So we'll be actually gaming after we're done record this podcast so oh wow finally so it'll be like finish recording head to friend's house and play some deadlands so yes oh. i'll be excited and then this week i've got like four different hero click tournaments to play and it's just like a nutty week for that they still have the hero click tournaments wow yeah yeah, the, yeah. You know, they do even where yeah even where i live the the, the new game store down in kent ohio uh, gaming grounds. They have, I think, they still have like Hero Clicks going on. Like, yeah, Hero Clicks uh, was brought back. Whiz Kids stopped it, and they brought them back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On uh, Whiz Kids website. Looks, yeah. yeah, on yeah on Whiz Kids website, they actually have a search engine for uh, events in your area, so you can just put in your zip code mm-hmm. and find all events within like a ten, fifteen, twenty mile radius. I bought a whole bunch of them back when they were stopped making them because I was using them for my superhero games yeah. like DC and Marvel. Yeah, and everyone was like, they're like, "Oh, it's done. They're never making anymore." Now they're coming back. That's I like playing the game itself. So, oh yeah, yeah. They and the thing is, they've got so much product coming out; it's getting kind of hard to keep up. Because doing... I always thought it interesting when they made the hero click of Cthulhu. Yes, I have that. <laughs> oh, yeah. You do? Yes, I do. I was oh. actually when I was running Marvel. Superheroes. I can just imagine everybody playing Spider-Man, Wolverine, and you know Professor X or whatever, and all of a sudden here comes the the big baddie and thump. Yeah. Oh, the big arrow click of Cthulhu. Yeah. In my game, Red Skull and Hatemonger were trying to raise Cthulhu to destroy the world. So That's such a cool scenario. Yeah. And they were like a couple uh, passages being read out of a book away from Cthulhu being raised. Oh, and they God. managed to stop Red Skull from finishing re- their reading this passage. Otherwise, nice. they would have had to come back Cthulhu. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid Red Skull. Yes, but uh, in my game, he no- now no longer has eyes. They uh, Elemental converted his eyes to oxygen. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did mention that once. We were talking about that. Like, melted his eyes out of his yeah. eyes? Yeah, it was like, <laughs> poof, you... Yeah, at that point, yeah, he can't read. So they save the world through maiming Red Skull. Oh, wait. You got to nice. do what you got to do. Yep. <laughs> was that part of the Horror Clicks line? or is, uh, uh... Yeah, that was part of the Horror Clicks line. Yeah. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah you could still probably find them not for not that much. 
I got Starro and Galactus. Oh, nice. I had the original Galactus. I got him at Origins when he first came out. And oh. then, I, then I saw vendors buying him for like 125 on the spot when I paid 75 for him. So I'm like, heck with that. I'm going to Gen Con. I'll get one there. So I sold him for 125 this day of and made 50 bucks. Then went to Gen Con and wasn't able to get one. <laughs> and so, that always works. Yeah. But so at some point I'll get another one. And then Starro was kind of when I was kind of waning from playing. So I didn't actually get a Starro. And then, and then the game died out. So what about you, Vince? How did the, uh, the was it, you kind of did an Oriental Adventures Skype game? Yeah. As of last night, I started another actual play podcast for RFI called The Legend of Fin Fang Foom. And here's the, I'll put the link in the, in the show notes so Matt can put it in, the, in our show notes. And uh, so far I have seven players. It went really well last night. And they, uh, I won't really say much because I'm going to put it out, but they had a great time with all the characters. There's Surprisingly, there's no samurais and no barbarians. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Well, Fin Fang Foom, that's the Marvel, Marvel. Yeah. character. There's a hero clicks for dragon. him, too. Really? Yes, yes yep. there is. I have I him. just remember Fin Fang Foom from Marvel Ultimate Alliance. That was like one of the first big baddies you face. Oh, yeah. Yep. But uh, the website, I, I uh, you know, sp- uh, jazzed up with all different, like, Oriental and Chinese, Japanese things, and people were journaling about the adventure. So there's a lot to read on here. Nice. That's nice. That's of- awesome. Background setting and everything, and yeah. so this time I went a little out for it. So, yeah. but you can uh, go there to epicwords.com/fin, f-i-n, and you can uh, see it right now. Yeah. Other than that, I really haven't been doing much. Yeah, yeah. I found out at one of the local game stores every two weeks. Tim Cask runs an OD and D game. Mm. So. Sweet. Yeah, I'm going to have to see if my Thursday schedules are going to be free for a while and see see if I can try to sneak in on that, because that just sounds like it'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that's that. Um, let's see. Any news? Well, I know we have uh, some news about our star reviews, Nick. Yes. Yeah. Do you, should we talk about our star reviews right now, then? Might as well. Well, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of reluctant, <laughs> but uh, as of re- uh, what we reached our goal. Yes, we did. As of this week, we have made one hundred starred reviews on iTunes. That's awesome, and there was much rejoicing. Hey, no, that's <laughs> awesome. That's so great. So, uh, yeah. So. Uh, Everybody, if you still want to get us to 1,000 starred reviews, head over to iTunes, uh, type in uh, in your search for Roll for Initiative over at the iTunes store, and you can find us there. Or, And also you can contact us at rfistaff at gmail.com. And you can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash rfipodcast. You can get us on Facebook, too. And we got three reviews that put us over the – Put us right on the number of 100. So our first one okay. is, I think, is from James Scherer, and, and it's a five-star review. He says, a perfect find. So having recently joined my first 1E game run by an absolutely stellar DM, I was happy to have stumbled upon RFI. I've cherry-picked about five episodes so far, 
and all have been great. Your podcast is helping me enjoy 1E to the fullest. I assure you, keep it coming, fellas. So thank you, James. We appreciate that very much. And uh, number two here is from Ashley Midkiff. And she gave us five stars. I see a trend here. And excellent old school gaming podcast. And she says, I enjoy listening to these uh, to these podcasts, trying to get caught up on them again. Been thinking about running first or second edition AD&D game and possible campaign. Good to know people still play this classic and have provoked me to play and even run again. Thanks. We provoked her. Oh, my goodness. But in a good Uh-oh. way. Uh, did we, what, is it like kinder taunting? I, could be. That was the last show we did talk about what Kender. So that's well, he's you know, he's good. Oh, he has a good repertoire with the little people. So yeah, don't bring that up. That's a nightmare. <laughs> and the, our, our last review that put us at one hundred is by Soren the Bolt, and the title is Pie, and five Pie. stars. Now, hey there. He says, hey there. I was just listening to the latest episode, uh, 273, so volume 273. That was our Hyborian Age campaign one. Mm -hmm. And he says, I just got to say, mentioning Pi did it for me. (laughs) This is how now the best podcast ever. I love Pi, in case you didn't know, Pi. (laughs) Soren of the Wonderbolts. I'm confused. What does that mean? I don't well, know. I was listening to the show today, and we were talking about how we were getting really close to 100 views. And I, and I think it was me or somebody else mentioned, well, we could just have a review. So it says, just, I like pie. <laughs> there we go. So, oh, okay. Okay. So there you well, go. Pie. I like pie. I like pie too. <laughs> pie. Pie, pie. Hey, reviews. So, <laughs> so you, can name this, you can name this episode Pie. Yes, episode pie. <laughs> you know what's funny about when he, when you mentioned the word pie, the first thing that came to mind was a story that I read in one of those eerie magazines or Vampirella magazines from back in the day. It was yeah. it, it was like a three four part story that that went off for like four or five issues of an alien that crash landed and they called them pie. But I, the pie I'm referring to is three point one four whatever the rest of those numbers are. And we said pie. That's the first thing. I don't know why. Maybe I'm going crazy. Oh, maybe you are, but <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, gotta be a little crazy gamer, so that's cool. <laughs> but um, and I think pie, as in you know, like blueberry or chocolate or lemon meringue. <laughs> Why don't you do Christopher Walken like in pie? Lemon oh. meringue pie. <laughs> no, no, Christopher Walken like in pie. No, not him. He can't. Hi, crazy. You know, meringues, blueberry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, issue number seventy-five of the pod. Brush, good. <laughs> no, no. All right, but anyway, thank you for the reviews, and uh, keep them coming, and we'll try to read them. Uh, as much as we can, so please do that, or we will send Jason out, or Vince out to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So that was all the stars we got for this week. Uh, now our new goal is to get us to 1,000 fans on Facebook. This was the uh, thing that Jason and I started a long time ago. We got pretty close. We got over 
Before Jason left, we were close to 900. Now we're at 950 almost at this podcast. So we need another 50 fans to like us, get us to 1,000. Supposedly you get something special when you get 1,000 on Facebook. I don't know. It's a rumor I heard. Yeah. Well, there's only one way to find out. Like us on Facebook, and once we find out, if we get something special, we'll let you know. Facebook. We get pie. Yeah, pie. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook. Yeah. You almost had me say Facebook.com slash pie, Nick. <laughs> Facebook.com slash RFI podcast. And let's head into some sage advice. Master! Master! They're at the gates again! Master! It looks like another band of adventurers! Adventurers? Again? Always the same. Coming to me for sage advice. Sage advice. We're going to sing. I don't care if Nick doesn't. Sage advice. Sage advice. Hey, yeah. do we got some sage advice. If you want to send not in your sage or, Not parsley or oregano, but sage advice. When you all do that, I'm just going to play Ozzy or something out loud. So <laughs> <that>. <laughs> you want to send in your sage advice, staff at gmail.com, or you can locate the website and send us a voicemail at 570-825-4210, the hotline. Fine, all right. And actually, we have one email here from DM Min Maxer, <laughs> and he wants to know. He has two questions. First question is, what are your jobs in real life, <laughs> the real world? Okay. Wow. Okay. okay. And he also asks, can I have an autographed DM's guide? Oh. But what he wants an autograph from somebody else or from us? I don't know. Right. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What does he want? He wants an autographed DM's guide from who? Just says to have an autograph DMG. Well, what edition? First edition, hopefully. You probably meant, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah we, yes, we, we send him an autograph fourth edition DMG. <laughs> <laughs> He'll never come back. All right, so let's, if, if you don't mind, uh, Will, why don't you just let people know what you do in, in real life, other than our show? Oh, well, you know, I, I feel bad talking about this because I don't feel like rubbing anything in, but me. I am a retired Marine. I joined the Marine Corps at 17, retired just a year or so ago. That put me at the age of 40, turning 41. So, and that is all I do. I am retired. That doesn't mean I'm unemployed because I still get paid. So my job is as a retired Marine. You get the the, uh, the Marine pension now, right? Yep, that's what I get. Yes. Lucky. <laughs> and so I turn 42 in March, this coming March, next month I turn 42, and therefore all I will do from here on out to, to, to the day I pass on is just game, do demos, game, do conventions, do demos, game, and so on. You get the point. So we're going to have to dedicate a show in March called Get to the Chopper Will. That's what he's <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, 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 no. Get to the wheelchair, Will. That's... <laughs> all right, so uh, Nick. Yeah, well, uh, real life... Uh... I work as an electronics test technician. I work for a company called the QED, Quality Electrodynamics, out in Mayfield Village, Ohio. And uh, we build uh, MRI equipment for both Toshiba and Siemens out in Germany. And uh, I uh, test those, uh, those MRI uh, devices when they when they are after they're built and very high end equi- electronics equipment they sell for tens of thousands of dollars each and uh yeah that's one of the things i do 
uh, we, and it's really enjoyable. I enjoy my job. I really enjoy what I do. It's just, and uh, yeah, that's that's my that's my day job. <laughs> at your day job okay i i am pretty i'm an it consultant right now i'm in between contracts usually i would just consult on networks and uh, build them from the ground up that's usually what i would be doing matt uh i work in a r&d lab for a large corporation unfortunately i have lots of paperwork signed Pro- prohibiting what I can and cannot say, uh, but non-disclosure. Yes, yes, because yes, stuff I see won't actually hit the market for two, three, four, five years. So, <laughs> yes, I, I see things of a certain product far in advance, and uh, I do the testing and send the uh, information back to the engineers working on it, and they. Mm. You know whether or not oh, their designs are we working. First engineered from the UFOs that we got in '47, right? Yep, exactly, I knew it. exactly. I knew it. <laughs> that I can say they didn't make me sign the alien NDA. So, oh, okay. But that's you're, okay. you're like a you're like a Doctor Oaken from Independence Day. Yeah, yeah, pretty. So much. it's a, like electronics R and D. Uh, no, uh, physical materials. Oh, okay. So it's yeah, it's more it's more it's a consumer product. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Actually Matt works with Chuck Norris, that's really what it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> Thanks for blowing my cover. I know. No. Chuck Norris. Oh my god. As Watch as, out. Yeah. As far as having an autographed DMG, uh no. <laughs> we don't give out autographed DMG. Yeah, just hand them out. I mean, if we start with one person, we're going to have to do everybody out there, you know, give them one. So. And, the, you know, the, the rising prices of now first edition books, we can't afford it now anyway. I know. And we talked about that last time. That It's like gone insane since yeah. the, the reprints are going to be out. I told you all this stuff when I sent mm-hmm. that email out. When I sent, I'm sorry, when I posted on the forum, I was just on that day and I'm looking and I'm saying, like, these things have gone up five, ten, fifteen dollars. Some, some have went up, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50%. I'm thinking, like, what's going on here? And I, I put up that big post on my blog, How Wizards of the Coast is Ruining My Game. <laughs> I'm stacking up the prices of my game because now everyone's not going to want to buy it because now they're $15, $30. And, you know, a new game is going to look at it and go, well, this book is crappy with no design in it. Why would I buy this when I can buy, I don't know, uh, White Wolf's book for $40 that's full color and beautifully printed on nice paper? I, now I did go to uh, Half Price Books here just a day or so ago, and I saw one DMG there in very fine condition. It looked like it has went through minimal use and everything. They want $20 for it. The new yes. cup? No, the, uh, but the, uh, the demon on the front of it. Oh. The one I think yours yours fell apart, disintegrated, what have you. I know. I want to cry about that. You know, two more books fell apart on me. I I have a story about that, too. Uh, AEG is a great company. I just want to put that out there because I had two books that fell apart at the spine just recently. They're mm-hmm. new books, Legend of the Five Rings. I, I wrote them, and I told them the books fell apart, and they were like, oh, we apologize. What happened? I explained to them. They wanted a picture, and they sent me, they're sending me free books now. Wow. How nice. You can't. You you can do that anywhere you get the stuff. If something tears up, just send them the pictures, multiple pictures, and they're gonna hook you up. Yeah, they they didn't even ask for it back. I'm like, do you want these back? They're like, no, 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 that's fine. We'll just send you. We take pride in our product, and we want to make sure that you continue to buy from us. So here is some books. Enjoy. Kudos to AEG. Good company. I love them. Yeah, I've always liked AEG, and I was kind of disappointed when the, the new books fell apart, and, and they just handled it professionally, and I was very happy. Yep, I like that. 
Anyway, we have our last email here from DM Alexander. It says, hey, hey guys, where is the town generator you mentioned in issue number 27 or something? Oh, wow. I, can't, I can't find it online, and it's not posted on your website. Uh, please, if you could put it up for me, it would save me a lot of time in killing my players. Not just kidding. Thanks. <laughs> town generator. Oh, no, you want to kill your player. Well, the player characters don't want to kill the players, per se. That would be bad. <laughs> yeah. She's back then. We didn't keep very good notes. That was before Matt was actually doing the notes for us. So it was Jason doing the notes and not, nothing against him, but, you know, he was busy. So we got to show up. And, but whatever notes we remember, we put in there. Hmm, 27. Uh, if you go to rdin, that's rdinn.com slash town underscore generator dot php. And I put the link here in the show notes here so Matt can put it in our notes. And it's pretty much you put the town name in, you put the town size, how much percent of humans, elves, half-elf, dwarven, halfling, kinder, whatever, law enforcement, Generate and it gives you pretty much a little random town. It's called the Red Dragon in Town Generator. There you go. And Nothing course, that Google can't handle. Yeah. So, quick Google brought up that's the first thing that caught up just in case. But the one we were talking about back then, I don't remember. Yeah. Because I, 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 I can remember what the page looks like, but I uh, cannot remember the address. I'll have to see if I, I, I can dig around and look and find fine. it. Yeah. I didn't have time to listen through a couple episodes, but I was looking through the notes and I couldn't find them. Yeah, because I have all the notes going back to issue twenty nine. Yeah, so, I'm, oh, I'll, I'll troll through all the notes and see if I can find it. And if I do, I will post it in the show notes. So. <laughs> uh, let's see, and that's about it. That's it for Sage Advice. RFI staff at gmail dot com, or you can call us and. Uh, Let's head into Tail Manners. Yeah, I remember back in the day, a fella knew how to judge a fireball on the fly and how far the cleric could push the undead he turned. I tell you, with all these min-maxers and munchkins, metagame and power game, there's something missing that I'm here to learn you. Now sit down and crack your book while I commence to teach you some. Table Manners. Okay, everybody, today on Table Manners, we are going to talk about a old module that came out in 1984. It's a solo module for first edition, MV1, Midnight on Dagger Alley. Now, 1983 and 1984 must have been the, the popular years for solo adventures, because I think that's when the majority came out, because as I was looking through all my modules yesterday, I found a couple others that, that fell during that time period. And I just want to cover those real quick like, before I get to the module. Uh, in 1983, they came out with 01, the Gem and the Staff, if you all remember that one. Do you all remember uh, those modules? Yeah, yeah. Gem and the Staff, which was for an 8-level thief. And then they had M Solo One, well M Soul One, M Soul Two, and and those were the ones for the uh, the Invisible Ink, if you remember those. Yes, yeah. Blizzard Pass and uh, Maze of the, the Maze of the Minot- Riddling Minotaur. Riddling Minotaur, that was it right there. And I believe the Blizzard Pass was another one for Thief, uh, and I believe it was first through third level. And the Maze of the Riddling Minotaur, I think, it was for any class. It was one to ten. I can't remember too well on that, but I know it was like one to ten or something well they did a whole bunch of them back for uh basic D. those yes ones. they did that's the ones right there with the basic oh. expert 
Uh, yeah. The Wizard Pass was basic, and, and, and the Maze of the Riddle Minotaur was the uh, expert one. Now, the gem and the staff, I think, was basic. The Blade of Vengeance was also basic because they, they had a seven-level elf. So it was like, I think it was a fighter magic user, as a matter of fact. That's what he was. He was a fighter mage in that one. So that was a while ago. Now, Midnight on da- Dagger Alley, on the other hand, you, uh, did not use Invisible Ink. And uh, the gem and the staff and the blade eventually, let me back to those two, were actually simple adventures which didn't utilize Invisible Ink or the, uh, the magic viewer as Midnight on Dagger Alley required. Okay, like I said, came out in 1984. It was set in a dangerous thieves' quarter, and uh, some people confused. They thought it was set up in a in a city. No, it's not a city. This is just a thieves' quarter. So you could have like, uh, let me think of a good city, Waterdeep, for example. Let's say it has a thieves' quarter. This thing would take place just in the thieves' quarter portion of the city. Now the city is broken into four portions. Uh, in the module, they called them levels. If, if anyone read this, you understand where I'm coming from. They called it levels. Mm-hmm. The levels were, and, and the four maps that, that went with each level: rooftops, uh, the second story, the first story, or well, actually the street level, and then the underground portion. So you had your four different levels. Uh, there was three characters, pre-generated characters that came with this adventure or this module. Uh, one was a monk, one was an assassin, and one was a thief. Yes, I said it right, an assassin. They actually had an assassin as a pre-generated character you can play. Yeah. Each of those characters, this is the fun thing, each of them had their own uh, special adventure. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to remember which one they were. Rescue the Princess. Uh, there was a scavenger hunt for the uh, spell components, or a scavenger hunt for components for a spell, uh, or some kind of unique spell or something. And the other one was search for hidden treasure. Yeah, they each started a different page if you look at their description. Right. They yeah. each started a different page with their special mission. Uh, each of these uh, characters, these pre-generated characters, are, I believe, six level. Yeah, they're six level. They're six level characters. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. What's interesting about this one here, it uses a magic viewer. So when you open the adventure up, you can't read. Uh, what do you call those? Um, pick your own adventure path books. Remember those things? Yep, oh, yeah. yeah. It's using the same format pretty much in this one. Okay, so as the thief or the assassin or the monk, whichever character, as they are traveling around and you use this magic viewer, and you hit a certain area, and, and it's designated with certain things. And it's kind of funny how they do this module because all these things are referred to as monsters, whether it's a trap or if, if it's actually a monster or whatever encounter. It's actually considered a monster encounter. And then at the very beginning of the module, it's going to explain to the uh, user uh, of the module. So, so this thing is, is this a DM and a player, or is this a person that sits down and does it? To me, as I read it and look at it, it's as if you are the only oh. person using this module. Yeah. You see where I'm coming from? So that's the difference between this and, like, the other two, 0102, the Gemini Staff, and Bladed Vengeance, or whatever it was called, whereas that requires a DM and one player. This uh, Midnight on Dagger Alley, uh, Dagger Alley it's just a player. So you use the viewer as you're using your character to move around. If it hits a, a certain designated spot, you go back to the module. It's like a cross-index or go to this number. If you do this, go to this page and then just you know follow the results and do as told. Like, the fun part with this module, though, 
is how you deal with the monsters. Because depending on your alignment, you can talk to them. And if you if you roll a six-sider, one to three, the monster says, I'm going to kill you. Or four to six, the monster says, okay, you can pass or whatever the case may be. So it's, it's kind of weird how this module is set up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I, I think it's really fun. And uh, I think one of the things brought up was, uh, could this be used with a party of, of multiple characters or whatever? I mean, could be. I mean it, it could. Yes, it could be. It, it, it would be handled a little different. You probably would have more monster encounters. It all depends on where the character is at, though. I mean, for example, if the character is, is, is running around on the uh, rooftop, well, I think that uh, as I was reading it, I never ran this by myself, so I'm just going by what I read and how I studied this. There's traps on the rooftop that you can avoid. Or if you're, be, if you're caught doing something, you try to get away, you know. I, I mean, there's so many rules that, that is introduced in here. What was one of them? Leaping? I believe leaping was one of them. Yeah. Leaping or jumping or something like that. So they had some rules for that, rules that engage in you know other monsters and so on. It's just amazing. This is it's really a good module. It's very fun for a person. Well, I've, like, two of y'all, you can't find a gaming group. You're bored. Well, guess what? You can pull MV1 out and play with yourself. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the way that sounded. No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, you sorry. Play yourself, you mean? <laughs> I apologize. That's not the way. I mean, you can play this module, you know, solo. That's what I should have said. Yes. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry about that. So, I mean, yes, it's an interesting module. You use the viewer. And so then, you know, the, the purpose of the viewer is it's red and it goes against the blue, uh, uh, the, the, uh, what, what color was it? Bluish? There was, uh, like, it, was, it was like a mix of like a red. Red and blue. Yeah. And it filled one of them out. Those 3D glasses. Yeah, yeah. it was kind of weird how it does it, but when you set it up and everything, yeah, I, I was saying it looked like a greenish color to me. I guess we look at colors different. But, you know, it goes up there, and then you see the magic word and say, like, oh, well, this is an encounter, or this is a monster, or this is what happens, or it tells you to do this, or this is what you find. So, yeah, it's, it's very cool. And, and the way it's set up, I guess you can play it multiple ways. They said it's not the same all the time. I'm trying to figure out how that works out. I, well, I, you know what? I know what it means because it depends on where you start at in the, in the uh, Thieves' Quarter as far as where you go and that's what I think they mean that it never played the same way each time because if you start at this quarter you're going to run into different encounters and different monsters and different traps and, and like I said I mean it depends on where you want to explore there is no a, a set path this is not a railroad you have your mission from there on you go around explore the, uh, the, the uh, thieves quarter as you wish so that's what I gleaned from this. Very interesting module, very fun. If you can find it fully complete, I recommend getting it. I saw a couple online that weren't really that expensive. I saw, you know, $10 and $12 for them. Yeah, as long as they got the Magic Viewer with them. But even then, if you don't have the Magic Viewer, just get yourself a piece of red cellophane. Yeah. And that would work. Sure. Yeah, that'll work fine. That That's awesome. And I tell anyone to get in, any of these modules. I wasn't really a big fan of the M Solo ones, uh, the M Soul 1, M Soul 2, but 01 and 02, great, great adventures if it's just a DM and a player. Uh, Midnight on Dagger Alley, however, is just for one person to play solo. 
And uh, it, it can be set up to where uh, multiple players can do it, multiple thieves, you know, different areas. They want to start in different areas. You know, you do this thing, you do this thing, this thing. And, and the rules set up in there and how it explains how to do initiative, how it does combat. It's, uh, it's a little different than the normal rules. Let me just say that. It's a little different when you do this, this module because you're doing it solo. Great module. I love it. Hmm. So what do you all think? I was thinking, looking through it today when uh, before the show, I was thinking this could be really mined for a pretty good uh, adventure. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think so, too. Yeah, written for like a one big group of four people to play for one Sunday afternoon. Oh, yeah, I agree. It takes a little working to it. I mean, you wouldn't be able to use the module itself. You'd have to take key points out of it, write it down on your own. But I think with an experienced DM, you could pull out a really good adventure with this. I, uh, I used to have a copy of this i don't and over the years i don't know what happened to it but my recollections of this i remember when i saw this because i had the the m solo ones i still do have those but i think what uh what was going on here versus the other ones the m solo ones you had that yellow magic marker i guess probably with a little bit of like a lemon in it because you know the invisible ink yeah type yeah. thing now with the m solo ones you w- once you did the invisible ink stuff it's once stained. it's done it's yeah it's stained out and right. you the replayability of that d- is gone um when mv1 came out they kind of they did something different they used this magic viewer and then the replayability uh went up considerably i mean yes, you have definitely. different Right. Yeah, you have three different characters that you at least pre-gens that you could use. Um, or if you want to, you could probably bring your own as long as they're within the same character levels, uh, range. Mm-hmm. And uh, the replayability went up. And I recall this, like, when I saw this, I'm like, wow, now I can play whenever I want. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to wait until, <laughs> yeah. like, the weekend when I could get together with all my friends I can, like, you know, uh, get this, and I can play whenever I want during the week, and my parents would not be the wiser. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I know they changed the rules a bit with the X-Solo uh, and X-SL2. Instead of having a, a, a what was it, a Magic Marker or the Viewer, it was all like the Choose Your Adventure Path, and you were able to write actual notes. Yes. It was weird. You could write notes on the side of the board of the of the module to give you tips in the future of where yes. not to go. Yes, yeah, so you, you could leave notes for your future self. Yeah, yes, yeah, so I, I I was I ha- have that, and I'm just like, why would anyone do that? That just <laughs> I, I I'm like okay for one I'm very weird when it comes to just writing in any of my modules, any of my books. I don't. So the concept they're encouraging me to do that is just like, no, don't. It's just... going to ruin it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You yeah, know, like, I had the same feeling when I had those there. M Solo adventures with that marker. I'm like, yeah, but I got to reveal what happens in this encounter. Okay, I got to use the marker. And oh, man. <laughs> yeah, see, I remember a while ago, there was a, a, a big supplement. I don't recall if it being D&D or not. It might have been an uh, independent company that created it. It was a nice size book, probably around 40 to 50 pages. It had a, a picture of a of a, uh, a paladin in the front or maybe a, a skeleton holding two swords. But what happens is it was one of those choose-your-own-adventure paths. And it was, a, it was you know, about as big as a player's handbook, thicker. But uh, you had a character sheet. So as you went in there and, 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 you know, you get your options, you get into a fight, you know, you got that character sheet that came with the book to keep track of everything. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, if, if they really came out with more of those in that sense instead of the one-shot Magic mar- Marker deal. Yeah, because I remember the Magic Markers, but I thought they were white in color, but they smelled lemony. I can't, it's been so long. Yeah. That's been too long. Oh, that's, that's 30 years ago. But, uh, yeah, no, that's – yeah, I like those books. I like those Choose Your Own Adventure Paths. Mm-hmm. Not like the small little ones, you know, where you just read, 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 and it says, you die. Right. Uh, oh, <laughs> I wow, great. <laughs> yeah, I would rather just go ahead and just have a character sheet than when you get into combat and it says, well, if you defeat the wolf, you go to this page. If the wolf defeats you, you're dead. You you know, you're nothing but a pile of bones right. or whatever. And then, you know, whatever, you, you know, whatever. It's all good. Yeah, there's actually a really good series of books by Joe Dever, the Lone Wolf series. Mm-hmm. That, Joe Dever? Joe Dever, yes. Dever, okay. Yeah, I had as a kid like issue uh, volumes one through twelve, and apparently it goes up. To, there's like fifteen or twenty of them, and they're actually like full size paperback novels. But they're choose your own adventure, and you also have a character sheet where you have your hit points, you have your inventory list, and your weapons. And as you go from book to book to book, your equipment. And your powers, your experience, everything carries over. So you can take your character from this uh, monk that had everyone in his monastery slaughtered, and he's the last remaining one, hence the Lone Wolf uh, name of the series, and progress him to go through and destroying all the evil in the land that like wiped out his people. I see here. Yeah, Lone Wolf Book 1. Flight from the Dark on Amazon by Joe Dever. Yeah, they're well, really you, good books. Now, I I do recall now that I, there was just like this trend in the early to mid-80s that the, the whole solo adventure thing was kind of taking off. Mm-hmm. This And, you know, this module being a part of that, I remember one series of books that was very good for doing the solo adventuring stuff was the Fighting Fantasy series of books. If you remember those, yeah, they were by Steve those. Jackson and Ian Livingstone. And there's the first one in that, The Warlock of Firetop Mountain. Yeah, I got those. Those are awesome. Those are fantastic because, like, what what, uh, what as Matt was talking about, not only did you get the choose your own adventure path, but, you know, there was a game mechanic involved. You had stats, you had combat, and all that stuff. And it just, uh, it was a nice... Uh, a way of you passing your time if you didn't have a gaming group available, you know, available to play with, and you know, you just wanted to do something that uh, where you know it, you could do kind of sort of role playing, but you know, it's it's almost like a I don't know, it's almost like a with the with the video games that came out later on, it's like going through the dungeon in the in the video game in a way, but you know, you, you have it all right there in a book. But I remember there was, those were fantastic, and I think they're still available, or at least some of them are. There's another one I found also that was linked to it called Fable Lands. The War-Torn Kingdom is another similar choose-your-adventure okay. style. So that's, that one's pretty cheap, eight ninety nine. Yeah, and then there was another series by Joe Dever, uh, Freeway Warrior. It's like poke. You're, it's set in post-apocalyptic Denton, Texas, and you're like, tr- yes, Texas. <laughs> Well, I'm, that's right where I live. Yeah, okay. exactly. I mean, it had like a giant map of Texas, and you had to take your caravan of people to like a better area, and you had highway bandits and various other things along the way. And you actually had to keep track of the amount of food and water you had as you progressed through it. Otherwise, you would starve to death or die of dehydration. You just eat the people. Yeah. This is not 
Oregon Trail or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. It actually, Donner, it, was, it was It's like, not the Dahmer party. It's the Donner party. <laughs> the Dahmer party, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like Mad Max meets the Oregon Trail, actually, wow. now that I think about it. But, but oh, that was another fun one. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so I recommend picking this up if you could find it. I, I, I know I saw this. I got this for three bucks on uh, F-Price Books. I wow. did one for a dollar there as well, but it didn't have the viewer on it. So, wow. I guess we I have to admit, though, this is like when I'm looking through this. This is one of like the only uh, adventures where I see where in the watering monsters that you find uh, a kenku. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now that's very good. Yeah, I mean there are a lot of interesting new monsters in here that you, that you normally wouldn't run into. Yourself. And uh, I didn't really uh, you know, harp too much on and everything, but that, the counters actually work pretty well where they're located at. Mm. But yeah, the Kenku, why would you run into a Kenku there in a thieves quarter? Well, that's what they do. Yeah. That's what I like about modules. If you want to find a monster that you know your rules lawyer and the group isn't used to or those min-maxes aren't used to, just pull up some of those old modules and you can find some really wacky monsters. Yeah. They just never made it into the public view. Well, yeah, like ones like the Kenku and the Osquip right out of the Fiend Folio. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Kudos to the Fiend Folio. Great monsters there in there. Yep. All right. Tell us what you think, and then we'll head into game mechanics. Okay. Oh, man. What the heck is that? Stand aside, you fool. I have a spell that will work here. What do you mean I can't hit with that? Oh, right, fine. Show it to me in the book. Welcome to Game Mechanics. Okay, folks, uh, it's DM Nick here and Game Mechanics, I think kind of going with our theme from our table manners about solo adventures. Um, We'll talk about DMing a... uh, Solo adventure or DMing for one player? A lot of so, people question to. Yeah, and I think I got some pretty good tips for this. I I put some I put some thought into this, and you know this this has occurred to me from time to time. It's like, what if, especially now in our day and age, where you don't see a whole lot of brick and mortar stores anymore for gaming, and trying to get together with a group like uh, 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 from time to time might be difficult. Maybe you only can find one player, maybe two at the most. So maybe here's some uh, ideas, some tips, uh, maybe running a one-person adventure uh, for you uh, and your one other player. Or if you're the player and the other person's the DM. So here's some ideas. Well, first thing I was thinking about, I think I, to use an analogy with, I guess, with movies, you want to make the adventure very cinematic. The single PC is your star of the film or your star of the story. And you're going to have lots of supporting characters, lots of NPCs. Yeah. So you want to keep the action and intrigue up. So you really want to focus on that single PC. And I'll get a little bit more into this when we talk about maybe a, a long-term campaign. Uh, if we're talking about for like a single person adventure, um, when it comes to combat, it, I think it could be a little difficult because <laughs> we're near the DM in something like this. 
you're going to have not only all the monsters that you're going to have to take care of running uh, combat, but you have all the NPCs that you're, I think are going to have more of that because you have less players that have player characters. So the NPC number is going to go up a little bit more. Uh, one way that might help with that is you can hand over combat die rolls to the player for the NPCs that are part of the party. So that's one way of doing that. So the DM doesn't feel so completely overloaded with, you know, you know, 10, 20 die rolls of, of to hits in one combat. You know, hand over some of that to the player. I mean, if those NPCs are in his party, they're part of the adventuring party, you know, have him do the combat rolls. No harm in doing that at all. Now, when we get beyond the adventure and maybe look for a long-term campaign for your uh, one-person adventure... Um, I think it's going to be really interesting as far as plot hooks. I think one thing you can look at for the for the PC is you're going to have a real well fleshed out uh, history about this character because it's all about him or her. It's all about them. They are the star. So, what's the person's family like? Like their parents? Are they dead or alive? Were they famous or infamous? Uh, do they have? Do they love their parents or? Or do they hate them? Are they maybe maybe one parent they they are are good with, but the other parent is they're they're estranged and they're they have a horrible relationship with it. That could be some plot hooks there. Uh, siblings, same as the parents. Maybe you have an evil twin brother or an evil twin sister or something like that. So uh, you know some ideas right there especially with siblings. Also, you have aunts, uncles, other distant relatives. Maybe you have uh, your your father, his brother, your uncle is the uh, is the duke or a baron of a of a of a faraway land. And he's like really evil. He's uh, maniacal. He's trying to take over the lands that your father has. And that could be one of the plot hooks. Maybe you have to somehow bring this evil baron to to justice so something like that. So you know, just some ideas. I think having a family background that's detailed from the player character can help tremendously in uh, having plot hooks for an ongoing campaign. But what if they don't have a family? Well, what happened? Did they were they all were they all like killed by uh, a tribe of of orcs? And now you have a rivalry with all, with all the orc tribes around, or maybe. Uh, Maybe they just mysteriously disappeared, and you're on the search to find out what happened to mom and dad or something like that. So I think having those sorts of things, like I said, a real rich uh, history for the one-player character can help tremendously in plot hooks. And um, I think one problem that you might have is trying to keep that one star character alive. I think that could be very difficult because we don't one of the all of a sudden they're in combat character dies. What do you do then? You know, <laughs> I think in that case, it wouldn't hurt in the best interest of both people, both DM and player that you might want to fudge some things when it comes to combat and saving throws or a way around that. And I think we've talked about this in the, um, in our Hyborian campaign, uh, show that we did was uh, using fate points. Oh, yeah, okay. So maybe using that idea like fate points or luck points and maybe that that player character has a certain amount of 
a fate or luck points that they can use to maybe redo, you know, to, you know, mulligan a, a die roll or, you know, maybe escape a particular type of trap or encounter. So kind of, and it makes it somewhat cinematic in that respect. So those were some of the things that I had some ideas on doing a single player and single DM adventuring campaign. So uh, what were your thoughts and ideas about this, uh, uh, Vince? Any ideas? I've done a lot of these campaigns with uh, my, my former group that I was in. Uh, we only, Sometimes a lot of the players didn't show up or we, we, one of those nights when it was just me and one other person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, other, that other person happened to not like DMing at all, so I'd be the stuck in the DM. So right. I would just pull these adventures out of the fly. I kind of consider this like the choose your own adventure, but actually person giving you the options as opposed to just this laid out four options. Mm-hmm. And you kind of just as a DM, you have to really cater to the one person and just kind of move the story along with him. Giving, like you said, various NPCs and various things happening. You kind of have to have a lot of action in these. You can't have like lull time, like you're in the bar, what do you do? It's kind of like you're in the bar, you're getting a drink, you know, you're, you're challenging a meal, and someone taps you on the shoulder. You swing around, you look, you see this man is pulling something out of your pocket, things like that. You have to come up with action constantly to keep the story going. It's very hard for DMs that are new to do this. Yeah. Oh, it's, I could see your point because you only have one player. Yeah. Like if you had like six, seven, eight people around a table, you know, you could do the whole, you know, you go into the tavern scenario. Somebody in that party is going to do something that's going right. to really pick up the action. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, then the players <laughs> start. Yeah. Then the players start playing off each other and they start telling their own stories and you're just sitting there listening to them. Right. Right. So they start to do a lot of the work. I've done a lot of like. G one GM one player with uh, the old TMNT system, and right. what I did in that is they were a mutant. They worked for an organization, and there was a lot of like sneaking espionage. You need to infiltrate this building. You need to take out this person and be quiet about it. So there was a reason they were working alone, but they and it was up to them to figure out how to accomplish this. So they yeah. could do whatever they wanted. They had one single solid goal in mind. It's not vague. It was very specific. You must do this. How do you want to do it? Right. So, and they get to explore, and then they would like explore the world and like, okay, we need to go here and we'll catch this guy coming off the airplane and we'll be sitting on this tower and like take him out with a sniper rifle. And then they miss, at which point chaos starts ensuing. At one All point, right. I, I was actually. Had a player driving a van, being chased by a bunch of police, lobbing sticks of dynamite out the window because he didn't have any grenades. <laughs> so it, it ends up with a lot of wacky stuff at times, but it can be compelling as long as the player knows what they're supposed to be doing. Right. Um, That's a very good point. It's almost like when we talked about Midnight on Dagger Alley. It's mm-hmm. so like each of those uh, pregens has a goal. But how they get to that goal is entirely up to them. So right. in that respect, it's open-ended. But they do have a goal in mind. They just don't know how to get there. Right. Yeah, these are one player and one DM, which is one DM, one character, not like one player playing six different characters. <laughs> right. We're talking one PC and one DM. Yeah. It's too hard. I, I know a lot of experienced players who sit at the table and go, oh, yeah, I'll run my friend's character while he's out this week. He's sick. 
whenever he can show up and you play two characters and you're kind of like, well, he'll do this. But six, I, I even I hate doing that myself. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think I've ever run into a situation where I had people. I think the most I think I ever had someone run multiple characters. We're talking about that is maybe three. And that was because two other people didn't make it and they had their character sheets. Yeah. Most of the time, we just tell them hey, they're up uh, outside of the dungeon with uh, with the horses and cart. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, I mean, keep it simple in that respect. <laughs> I usually do it as in uh, the if the players don't show up, their characters just NPC auto follow. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I usually find ways to get rid of the PC for that session. It, I ran a Star Wars campaign for my home group, and it happened a bit. Like the Wookie, they I uh, yeah. missed an ep uh, one session. And for that session, they were landing on a space dock. So I had him, for the session he missed, get off the ship, mutter something about life day, and run off. (laughs) And then uh, I had uh, one time the pilot of the ship uh, wasn't able to make it. And so, and they had just landed on another planet. So he all of a sudden found himself having to go to the bathroom for an extended period of time where he had Mm. some bad food. Which was okay. re- which was really humorous when the players really needed to get off the planet really quick and he wouldn't come out of the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> At which point the play and he and he would always lock the uh, cockpit door because he didn't fully trust the other PCs at that point. So they actually busted down the cockpit door to take the ship off the planet. Nice. So. <laughs> But I'm just trying to picture the Wookiee and the Life Day thing. Now I'm having flashbacks to the Star Wars Holiday Special. Exactly. Basically, thanks you miss it. Thanks a lot. Yeah. If you miss one of my sessions, something not bad will happen, but something humiliating will happen to your character. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, 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 uh, when we're talking about this one person adventures, yeah, it could be, it could be very difficult. It's a lot on the DM. So. Yeah, I see. Well, let me tell you what happened was uh, when I got into playing, I didn't understand. I, I, I cut my teeth on chain mail and all yeah. that back in the day. And when my sister wanted to teach me how to play, she did a solo thing with me. And how she made it happen was I was a character with amnesia. Ooh. I woke up. Jason Bourne? Well, no, nah, not that bad. <laughs> but I woke up. I, you know, I had all my gear and everything. But among my gear was all those subtle hints and things of that would lead me to my identity. However, I had to travel and encounter various people and and go on certain things and, and every time I found a piece of the uh, of the of the puzzle, almost a piece of the pie. So, <laughs> so a piece of the puzzle, it, it, it I, I you know, my memory was coming back, you know, to to what it was. So, you know, a solo venture, it, it is what it is, you know. You know, you really got to be very creative. And you you can't have it uh, in a box. It's got to be outside of the box. And when it comes to monsters, well, yeah, you're going to run to monsters. Reduce the monsters' abilities. In other words, make them weaker monsters than they normally are. I mean, then again, it is D and D. One statement throw, you fail, you're dead. Well, you know what? Guess yeah. what? You wanted to play that that dwarf now. You can roll mm-hmm. that again. <laughs> Yeah, so you know it's 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 difficult. It's a, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot more on the DM than it is the player. But like I said, they got a few modules out there where you can run solo. Yeah, you know, like O one and O two. You look at those examples, and I'm gonna tell you, those modules are not that easy. 
No. And, you know, they really are not. So, yeah, I think I'm not the a... idea of using fate point or luck points might uh, help with some of that, too. So they can avoid those sorts of situations from time to time. So. Oh, yeah. No problem. Yeah, it, it, it's real good. It, it's it's doable. It is doable. It's <laughs> not impossible, but it, it is. It's difficult. Okay, cool. Uh, I guess, I don't know. Let's see what they have to say out there about tips for running solo adventures. I'd like to hear what other people have to do and what they... What they've done in the past, so they can yes, write absolutely. Or go on osrgaming.org slash forums and join in on the fun there, as we uh, talk on there and people debate new rules as opposed to old rules. Nick, what? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> and uh, we'll head into our next segment. As the secret portal yields to your efforts. Stand amazed at a vision from the most fevered dreams of avarice. Before you lies the Dragon's Horde. And now we go to the Dragon's Horde, and we're going back to the Oriental Adventures for our item. And yet again, this can be carried by one person and not 20 oh, like good. that Minion. Oh, yeah, I have like 58 people carry one magical item. Yes, because this is a very small item. It's actually just a small bell, six inches long with four inches in diameter. It's the Bell of Warning. This is a little bell that will start ringing whenever someone that's invisible, ethereal, or astral comes within 30 feet of it. Mm. It also has the same effect for any character trying to move silently or hide in shadows within the radiator radius and it continues doing this until the detected presence leaves that area or 3d6 hours pass so basically it's an alarm system for your players or building or whatnot so i mean i can see this being used by in all sorts of ways the only thing i have with it is that 3d6 time you don't know how long it'll last so when you go to enable the bell, you could have rolled a three. So as your party goes to sleep for the night, thinking this bell's going to wake them up if someone tries to sneak up on them, it could go off. At, it could stop working after three hours, <laughs> or it could work for eighteen. You just don't know. Well, it's, the bell. The bell has a, a long history with this whole thing. It's probably got it from uh, many religions. Use a bell to ward off evil spirits or clean the air of evil spirits or. Have them show you, like, if you've ever gone to church, Catholic church, they always ring bells before ceremonies. Yeah, back in the old, yeah, the old Roman Catholic Latin mass, yes. Pagans do it with their rituals. Uh, The the Chinese and the Japanese both use bells to cleanse their houses when they first move in just with the evil spirit. It's kind of like when um, uh, the Santorian lab, yeah, they use the sage when they burn inside people's houses Mm -hmm. for evil spirits. Right. It's kind of like that. Yeah. You, you would ring the bell to ward off spirits. There's a lot of history with the, with the bell. And yeah. I think what they mean by when it lasts for 3D6 hours, I think it means they meant once it goes off, it lasts for 3D6 hours. Or am I reading that wrong? No, it says each activation. Requ- when you the ring bell. the bell, the effects last for 3D6 hours, not the bell ringing for 3D6 hours. No, uh, the com- and the command word is spoken, the bell activates. So when you, you give the command word... To uh, use the bell, that's when it activates. So the timer starts 
Oh, okay. Then, that's where I'm like, uh... I don't think the bell rings for three to six hours. No, no. That's just how long it'll actually detect before okay, it shuts I itself off. Okay, At which point, using it as an alarm system is kind no. of spotty, actually. Because you, you could do is if you're lacking people and you have this bell, and say you're you're in a, like an ancient temple or something for the night sleeping, ring this bell, and for at least three hours you can get a solid sleep without being disturbed. Right now, would like an identify spell be able to tell you how long it would last and how many charges it has? I would say so. I okay. mean, DM in the campaign. Yeah, I mean, I would have no problem with that for this. I uh, would definitely do not the what it is, but not the charges. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would. Uh, hell's bells. That's the only thing that comes to my mind. Dingling, dingling. <laughs> yeah, I think this could be very handy when you're talking about, like, yeah, you know, when you're talking about you know, near camping out in the wilderness, and uh, you want to have make sure all the uh, the party gets a good night's sleep at least for the majority of the evening. This is a great, you know, this is a great uh, device to use. Right. Yeah. Should you ever be chased by a Nika? This'll, there you go. Yeah, it'll give you that little bit of warning. Not much, considering how fast it moves, but still, you'll at least be awake when it shocks you. Mm. Yeah, I did a variation of this in my uh, campaign, actually, the other night with uh, the Oriental Adventures. I had the person, they they found the bell on the tree, and they rang it. And instead of warding off evil spirits, I had the, the bell actually showed the tree spirit where they found the, and the tree spirit was a good spirit that actually was trying to help the party, so... When they rang the bell, only that person saw the spirit who communicated with him. Okay. So it was kind of an interesting take on it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to say uh, in Oriental Adventures, they have some of the most unique magic items I've ever seen in a game. You know, just and this being one of them, like, and there's another one, this banner of protection. So, yeah, I mean, there's some really interesting ways... You can make a various different magic items on what in this culture you know deemed to be uh, useful and magical. Yeah, it's like I can, I can even see, say, if you have players trying to break in to someone's house or going through somewhere they shouldn't be, I could even see, and they're trying to move silently. I could see having these bells placed throughout, say, someone's house. So that way, oh, as, the, sure. as the players are sneaking through, these bells start going off. And yeah, these are this is your alarm system. Exactly. I mean, there's just so much use to it. The only the only thing I just get hung up on is that the randomness of you don't know when you activate it, you don't know how long it's going to work. Right. That's where I guess you would have that identify spell, you know, nice and handy. Right. So it's like, okay, how long is this thing going to last? Right. <laughs> you know? And you'd have to do that every time you enable it, which is quite a bit considering it has 3d6 3d10 charges yeah yeah so i mean you're going to get a lot of use out of it you just don't know exactly how long any given use will be yeah five minutes or five hours who knows yes (laughs) yes you'll you'll hear this ringing be like oh there's an intruder we're not exactly sure where oh the bell went off they left yes then you proceed to be destroyed by like an invisible servant (laughs) <laughs> because the charge the timer ran out that be the invisible servant would that show the invisible servant like as a gas uh, like a, a dust cloud in the sky or no it, it it's strictly I think it the was. ringing of the bell says something's within 30 feet that's all it does it doesn't tell you where it is 
It just says it's within 30 feet radius of the bell. That's all. Hmm. So it's really just an alarm, uh, a very rudimentary alarm system. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, so it's not too overpowered, and it's like this invisible fiend is over here. It's just there's something. So you could even use it to build suspicion. Uh, perhaps if they if they strung one up on a tree outside, there's a wind. It blows, so the bell starts ringing because of the wind, and they're thinking, "Uh oh, something's here." The bell's going off. <laughs> I can just see some people doing that too. Yeah. yeah, so you could have some fun with it as well. But yeah, I like it. I, uh, I mean, I would probably end up changing it to where uh, each bell has like a fixed amount of time it will always work as opposed to making it random every activation but other than that I could definitely see using this so we want to hear what you out there in listener land have to say about the bell of warning and any other things relating to oriental adventure magic items because like Nick said there's a lot of very unique things that you just won't find anywhere else and thanks to the uh, culture, cultural influence in this yeah. book. So, anyways, uh, write us at rfistaff at gmail.com or you can go to the OSR gaming forums and let us know. And now we are going to continue in the Oriental Adventures, but this time, though, we're heading to the Creature Feature Theater. That is not Creature Feature Theater this week. Uh, looking again at the Oriental Adventures, if you uh, flip open to page 126, we're going to be talking about the, as I can only describe it as the Oni. I'm not really well, well with Japanese yeah. words. But oni. Oni, yeah. Basically, uh, in Japanese terms, the Oni for this book is uh, basically a fearsome spirit that dwells in the desolate or forbidding places. Uh, you can use an Oni in many different ways. If you look at some legend and lore history on the Oni, the uh, Japanese say the Oni was a gigantic creature with sharp claws, looking mostly like an ogre or an ogre spirit. Uh, they're humanoid for the most part, and they have like they're usually different colors. They have odd number of eyes, extra fingers. They could be black. They could be green. It could be orange. There are mostly story tales to frighten children, uh, from what I'm taking. The Chinese associate with uh, the Oni as spirits or gods that cause disasters and disease or other pleasant things. Uh, in Buddhism, uh, they consider the Oni as equivalent to the people that punish sinners in hell. So because it's a pretty nasty creature. Uh, I've used these creatures many times. In fact, I used it in the campaign last night that the Oni will possess people and just come pouring out of people. And they're usually born of anger or of uh, some type of, of rage. But uh, the book describes them as basically as ogres or ogre and magi. So, yeah, it says like the blue skinned Oni, they're, they're more common. They're known as the ogre magi. So mm -hmm. ogre magi are, are Oni. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty much what they are. That's a Japanese version of, or, or Oriental version, I should say, of an ogre. But I, since it says lesser spirit and then it goes to ogre, I kind of relate them more to being the ancient lith of the spirit. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen, like, there's various Japanese anime, like Inuasha. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, a lot of those creatures that he fights are, are Onis. So, and uh, Legend of the Five Rings RPG, I'm very familiar with that, and they base a lot of their adventures on Onis. So, Will, what do you think about the creature itself? Oh, Onis, I, I think they're great creatures. I like how they look because they're really fearsome looking. And uh, we take into the fact that, that they are lesser spirits. Uh, their alignments, uh, you know, vary between lawful evil, the lawful neutral, which, uh, which well, the, the common Oni is lawful evil. So I consider that more of an infernal-related creature. Uh, it's, um, how can I say it? It's a methodical. Uh, it keeps its word, you know, like, it, like a lawful evil creature, of course. And uh, the lawful neutral ones, like the Gozu and the Mizu, I hope I said that right. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to pronounce those things anyway. You know, they're much more rare and everything. They're lawful neutral alignments. So, again, you're still dealing with creatures that are very, um, oh, how can I say it? They, they're, they're just rough creatures. I like them. I mean, you know, they're they're huge, though. You know, they're almost giant size. What, nine feet, eight feet, nine feet, ten feet tall? Well, the, Some yeah, of them. The Gozionu is uh, really tall with a horse-shaped head. So. Oh, that's right. That's one with a horse head, yeah. yeah so, yeah, I mean, I like them. They have a lot of practical use in the Oriental Adventures campaign. Uh, don't be shocked if a good portion of them are, are, are going to be behind uh, some of the adventure uh, you know, uh, plots and everything because they, just, they, they fit in perfectly. They fit in perfectly. I agree. Yeah, and, and then uh, the common Oni... Actually, can turn invisible, so you see why people would have those bells of warning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> considering so, that you can have anywhere from one to one hundred appearing, <laughs> the common <laughs> link. right? Well, I mean, when you say one to one hundred, I, I think that was probably where they live at or where they dwell at. Yeah. I'm not certain you would run into that many at one time. You know, that's that's called TPK. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially with it being an eight hit dice creature, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. What's What's funny is looking at this though. It says percent percent in lair. The chance to find it's only ten percent, and it's listing the number appearing one through one hundred. Yeah. So that's just like really. Well, basically, it, what they used to do is they like like what Will said. Mostly they use chain mail for a lot of these numbers. Yeah. So they're basically, I guess, off army sizes, I would assume. Yeah. And the, the special ability is like uh, the Gozu or the Mizu. Pretty impressive. Uh, they both can regenerate three hit points per round. Yeah. yeah. That's that's yep. pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, they, was it the Gozu? They can polymorph self, cause fear, yeah. become invisible, fly, and cast Fire Shuriken at will. That's pretty cool. No, they're not casting fire shuriken at me. They just fire whenever <laughs> they want to. <laughs> no, it, it, it's at an at will power. <laughs> yeah. Like cast fire shuriken. Oh, I got it. Duh. I got. It. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> they're not casting it at me. No, but they look could at the be. strength though. <laughs> but, but, but look at the strength though. The the uh, the Gozu is a hill giant strength. That that Mizu only is like a stone giant strength. Yeah, they hit hard. They're nasty. Yeah. Well, now, if it's funny when you look at the hit dice now, because the hit dice of the Gozu is less than the, I'm sorry, the hit dice of the Gozu is more than that of the of the Mizu or Mezu. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's, and and I guess one's bigger than the other. It just it's just strange, but yeah, they're powerful creatures. Yeah. 
Like I said, you can use them as by the book here, or, or you can use them in the variation I have. I just use them as spirits that possess people, then they come out. I kind of like to give it that little twist of uh, difference. Hmm. I, I follow I follow a lot of the anime more than just the book, so. Okay. When it comes to these evil spirits. Like, I watched, watched, watched a lot of the Inuyasha, which a lot of those spirits came out of people as opposed to just showing up. Yeah. Okay. Which makes a little more sense, but... Uh, that's yeah. that creature, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could even see using this in non-oriental adventure campaigns. You have some sort of cult trying to summon a Mizu and just have it wreak havoc upon the land or something. I mean, wow. so. yeah. It's funny that you uh, mentioned this creature because uh, in the latest Pathfinder adventure uh, modules that are out right now, uh, the next one is released this month. This will be the last one in the six series. It's called the Jade Regent. And it covers the whole spectrum of Oni and all those um, Japanese-related, you know, monsters and spirits and everything. And I'm going to tell you, they're hideous. These things ain't no joke. They're no joke at all whatsoever. But it's funny that you brought up Oni because they got a nice picture of one on there with its three eyes and the horns yeah. on its head. It's real big. And it's got that funny-looking mouth where they got that kind of like – they got a grin of a mouth. They got all the teeth poking out and everything. It's kind of weird-looking. Yeah, kind of like it was like a two-year-old draw the teeth or something like that. Yeah, it's real weird looking, but yeah, they're nasty. Mm. All right, cool. Tell us what you think about the Oni and, and write us staff at gmail.com. Well, I guess that's going to end the show tonight. And uh, Yeah, quick one this this week, huh? Yeah. Uh, or remember, go to Facebook.com uh, slash RFI podcast. And if you haven't liked us or fanned us, please do it now. Get us please to a- like us. Please like us, yes. <laughs> and uh, go to uh, epicwords.com slash fin, F-I-N, if you want to follow along with the actual play podcast. That should be out shortly as soon as I'm done editing it so you can listen to it and you'll be able to go to RFIactualplay.tk. Listen. Hey, I forgot to mention something. What's that? Mm. Very soon, we're going to have a contest. So this, oh, right. Yeah, very soon, we're going to have a, a contest. So I'm not going to reveal what the contest is going to be, but let me tell you what the prize will be. It's right. going to be a full set mm-hmm. of the, the uh, AD&D modules being released by Wizards of the Coast. Oh, the, the, the core rule books. The core rule books. Those three that's going to be released in April or March or May, whenever they're coming out. That's what the prize is going to be. Cool. So you're going to get a, a set of reprints courtesy of our DM Will. Well, it's going to be the RFI staff. Well, courtesy of the RFI staff, yes. Uh, but we won't tell you what it is now because we're writing out the um, yes. actual contest terms because uh, we want to make sure that it's not just like one person entering and then everyone else going, whatever. Yeah, that's that's going to be the sad part because there are going to be minimum prerequisites for this contest to actually take place. So maximum participation is, is is highly recommended. So at least someone out there can get something very nice for nothing. Yeah. Ah, a little bit of elbow grease, you know. Yeah, your hands might get a little tired, but you know what? This is what makes these contests fun. And, and you know when I look, yeah, yeah. When you look at what the prize is all about, I would think that someone would put you know the extra effort into doing it because I mean, hey, this is this is a limited release of these three books, and you're not paying for it. Exactly. But I just want to uh, give you an easier. That's about yep. it. <laughs> And uh, as soon as we uh, probably next episode, we'll have the, the uh, rules laid out for you. We'll post it in the forums, tell you how to do it and how to get in contact with us. And uh, we'll go from there. That is correct, because next week we will let we will actually go ahead and state the rules and, and what it's going to be. You got it. 
I guess that's going to end the show. So I'm going to say keep it original, keep it old school, and good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Roll for initiative.